Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast, the podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're in San Antonio, Texas, and I'm talking to Chuck Wood about the rise and fall of movements. the first book, Movements That Changed the World. Why did you write that book? Well, uh, I I was in my garage stoking up my little wood burner in the middle of winter trying to recover from a church fight in a church I'd planted. And... um, I'm handing my life back to the Lord and his church back and my ministry over. He's got my attention. And um, and the Lord just sort of encountered me in that place and said, Steve, it's, it's not just about one church. It's a whole, whole new generation of churches that will sweep the land. And he got my attention about movements. And I moved from, you know, what my ministry <laughs> to what he's on about, which is multiplying movements of disciples and churches. So at the same time, I'm sort of wrestling with what that means and, and what movements are. And out of that sort of experience as a church planter a uh, couple of times and looking around the world at where we saw church planting movements, uh, and then a lot of reading, a lot of time in the scriptures. I wrote that first book and said, well, if we took a snapshot of a dynamic movement, here's, here's five things that we would notice in its most dynamic, healthy phase. So that was the first book. And, um, you know, a lot of people said it's been very helpful. It's very easy entry. The five the five things are clear. Um a little way down the track, we were working with church planters and, and other church networks of churches to see if we can get multiplication happening. And I was learning, whenever I'd go and teach those five things, um, people found them very helpful, but they didn't really know what to do on Monday morning. And that's where I encountered uh, some of the guys like Steve Smith, um, Jeff Sundell, uh, and learn from best practice in the field. You've got to take the principles that everyone loved and you've got to ground them in, in simple reproducing methods. And so we just looked at the life of Jesus, how he did that, and, you know, sort of the, the whole four fields approach. So that was what Jesus, was, what Jesus started. And then um, a little bit down the track, you know, one of the things I noticed was there was there was something missing from my five characteristics of movements, and that was um, apostolic leadership. Pioneering movements was the third book. So uh, what can we learn from the example of Jesus and, and other people with that missionary gift uh, in the scriptures around the world? What's best practice? What are the five levels of leadership in a multiplying movement? And uh, some case studies. So that was that whole um, 
you know, what, what does a movement pioneer look like and what do they do and, and how do we ground this in the word and in best practice? Well, that whole time I'd been thinking about the rise and fall of movements and the life cycle of movements. In fact, that was the second half of my first book till I realised they're really two books. And I sat on it for about 20 years or more and I, I just felt like the time's right a few years ago to start knocking it into shape and bringing it out. And um, so we looked at the stages of development and they're pretty clear from organisational literature, business literature. But I think if I'd written, you know, this book 20 years ago, it would have been let's impose an organisational model on the church and on, on the movements of God. Um, the real breakthrough came for me about probably less than two years where the we say, I don't know if you say this, but the penny dropped, that um, there's something driving the rise and fall, more than just organisational principles of bureaucracy or all this sort of stuff. Um, and it's it's actually the degree to which our identity is in Christ and the degree to which we move away from that, that's driving the rise and fall of disciple-making movements that multiply churches. Um, and that identity piece came to me out of looking at the, the stories of Jesus' baptism and wilderness testing because he's about to launch the missionary movement that will go to the ends of the earth. And the father's writing some things on his heart and it comes out in just those two short stories. Um, his loving obedience as a son submitted to his father's word. Uh, his dependence and empowering by the Holy Spirit. And then thirdly, his commitment to the core missionary task to make disciples, to give his life a ransom for many, and to launch a missionary movement that will make disciples and multiply churches. So they're, they're sort of at the very heart of the baptism and, and wilderness stories, and they set the agenda for um, the Gospels and the Book of Acts and into the Epistles. So if we keep returning to those three things, um, they're at the heart of the engine room of the rise and fall of movements. Yeah, I really appreciate the progression of the books. Um, when, when I was introduced to the first book, Movements That Changed the World, um, a guy was waving around at a meeting and, you know, you need to read this book. I grabbed it and it really lit a fire in me. But the second book were uh, what Jesus started really helped me. Uh, it, it was my highest value. It, it was really scratching that itch because I had been brought up and discipled to focus on the person of Christ, not just as an historical figure 
for not just even our Savior, which I'm very thankful for, but as our example, our Mm -hmm. model. And when you followed up movements that changed the world with what Jesus started, um, that was really important to me because I had that foundation. And then as I went to some of the trainings, the No Place Left trainings, that solidified the book of Acts as just following the exact mm. same pattern as Jesus, you know, and yeah. that was really important. And then you put the icing on the cake with the leadership piece with pioneers and uh, movement pioneers. To me, one of the things I've learned throughout life and especially in The army and ministry is everything rises and falls on leadership, Mm. everything. And Jesus intentionally poured in to 12 guys and 11 would turn the world upside down. The leadership was so important. So I I really love the progression Mm. that has really helped me personally on my journey of pursuing what could be, you know, this, this can happen. It mm-hmm. happened in the Bible. It's happening today. Why can't it happen in our own neighborhood? Yeah. So that was a big question that I kept asking. And mm-hmm. a lot of what you wrote answered those questions. Okay. So, with this next book, the the rise and fall, how how do you feel like the normal everyday practitioner, boots on the ground guy, how, how and gal, how are the benefit from this next book? Mm. Well, I think. Um, I think what I call the identity piece is really important. Uh, Guys especially are getting into the strategy, the techniques, the methods, the training, the the demographics, you know, all all of those things. But to go back to where it all began, you know, Jesus is, as far as we know, his disciples weren't recruited yet. So he's just there at the Jordan submitting himself to the Father's will, being baptised as our representative. He's identifying with sinners, hearing his Father's acclamation. And then literally he's he's thrown, (laughs) cast into the wilderness by the Spirit uh, to be tested and to triumph through his dependence on God's living word. And then then he he returns to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and it begins. And there's a simplicity about that, you know. I mean, Jesus was an incredible strategist. You know, he, he, he did, well, he showed us how this is done, you know, by raising up pioneering leaders and training and releasing them, by um, working contagious relationships, so following relational networks to spread the movement with the person of peace uh, strategy and 
his methods were, were adaptive methods, uh, light, easily transferable, quickly picked up, and he's rapidly mobilising ordinary people uh, to do ministry. So all of those key indications, this is a movement strategy. He is a master at what he does. But there's none of all of that strategy stuff in, in those two stories. It's his identity that, that matters, and out of identity comes strategy. Um, so for those of us who are very caught up, even, you know, for me, a big strategy piece is their four fields. But it took me a while to realize, you know, we got to start with the father's heart. It's not enough to think, well, here's some, you know, if we, if we just fill in the boxes with the right tools and methods and activities in this four, you know, bang, we've got ourselves a movement. And so I think to, to understand, not just at the launch of our ministry, but throughout the whole course of our life, the Lord has us on this identity journey of taking us deeper in loving obedience to his word, um, teaching us uh, to be dependent and led and equipped by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then uh Remain faithful to the core missionary task, the mission of Jesus to multiply disciples and churches. You know, this is who we are. This is how God is shaping us in the mountaintop experiences of baptism and audible voice of God. And then next moment, you know, led by the spirit, we're facing pure evil and it wants to destroy us. So every, every practitioner out there needs to know this identity piece and then dive into Gospels and Acts and the rest of the New Testament and see, well, uh, okay, from a point of view of strategy, what did Jesus do? What did he train the disciples to do? What does the living Lord Jesus continue to do through the early church and Paul uh, in particular? So I, I think that's what... Um, you know, a practitioner get out of. And, you know, that's only the first chapter. <laughs> <laughs> then there's some great stuff about this, the life cycle of the movement, you know, the birth, uh, the growth, eventual plateauing or maturing, and then if, if issues aren't dealt with, decline and even decay. And then we raise the question, well, how, how can a movement under threat be renewed? How can it be reborn? And some very practical leadership tasks at each stage of development. And then finally, we tell the story of where this is happening around the world. I mean, all along the way, there are case studies from history because you need long periods of time to see the outworking of, you know, it's, it's not sometimes decades or even generations before we really see why did that movement, why did the wheels come off the wagon? Um, but the final chapter is all about, you know, stories around the world of, of where we're seeing uh, new life and movements um, burst out and, and both to encourage the heart and, and to teach us, well, what, what do movements look like when they begin to really take off? All right. 
Well, I've had the privilege of reading the draft, so I know the end of the story. And I, I think one of the things that I walked away from uh, reading the draft is that the movement is going to happen. Jesus started it, mm. and it's, it's going to happen. Uh, every tribe, tongue, nation is going to stand before the throne. And really, the question that somebody needs to ask, I need to ask myself when reading the book is, do I want to be a part mm. of what God is doing? Mm. And then it's not enough to say yes. Mm. It's the next question. Am I willing to become the kind of person yeah. that God can use to do what he's going to do? Yes. So I, I really feel like you did a great job of capturing, you know, not, not only what Jesus is going to do through you, but what he's going to do in you. Mm. Mm. So I, th I think that's essential in any any ministry, you know, uh, God's doing things in us. So well, and I, I don't know if it was you or Jeff Sundell or someone that just at some point, um, you know, taught me, Steve, uh, when Jesus recruited his disciples, he gave them a, a command and a promise. So the command is come follow me. And, and that's us becoming like, the Lord Jesus, making him our Lord and our King. And most of us, we put our hand up for that. I want to be a disciple. I'll follow Jesus. Um, but the flip side of that, I think it was Steve Smith actually with the coin, the flip side of that is this amazing promise from Jesus. I'll teach you to fish for people. And, and so it's both who we are in following Jesus and giving our lives to him. And even in that, you know, you've certainly taught me a lot about uh, John 15, the abiding peace. You know, it is obedience because we abide in him. We remain in his love. We, we enter into the community of the Trinity through the Lord Jesus. But there's also a, a skills, a practical side where Jesus says, you know, I'm going to teach you to fish for people. I don't care if you're an apostle or not or an evangelist or not. I don't care if you're a missionary or not. He says to every disciple, I'm going to teach you to fish for people. That's what he's doing. And, and this is really, it's almost the essence of the movement he started. And as the Lord Jesus, he still leads. And the reason it's a movement is we're not just following, we're all fishing. Um, and, and so you can reduce it down to the simplicity of that simple story and, and say, well, this is who we are. This is Jesus' agenda in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, he's always turning fish into fishermen, mm. fields into farmers, sheep into shepherds, and people into priests. Yeah. That's, that's what Jesus does, you know. And so uh, and, there's and, a process. And that's what's driving the rise and fall. 
you know, we can talk about contextual factors. So what's happening with demographics or birth rates or postmodernism or, uh, you know, cultural trends or the economy or all of those things. Okay. Well, we can't control any of those things. We have no influence whatsoever over them. They're in God's hands, you know. He is sovereign and he will make the events of history, good and bad, serve his purposes. Mm. But what we can do is, you know, uh, follow, follow him and learn to fish. Um, and if we refuse to do that, that's okay, because if the Australian church or the American, if we miss this opportunity, guess what? <laughs> the, the Koreans, the Nigerians, the Chinese, the Brazilians are going to come knocking on your door and they'll win your children and grandchildren because, as you said, it's a God thing. This is something he will fulfill. And he, he doesn't just ask us to partner with him. He commands us. Mm. But it's, it's an invitation at the same time. And uh, so why not give our lives to this? Yeah. Well, you have a way of putting things in writing that really challenge us as believers, as disciples of Christ, to put our hands to the plow and not look back. Hmm. It, it, it motivates us to get involved in what I was praying about, the great enterprise yeah. that Jesus is facilitating his kingdom. Hmm. Um, but at the same time, motivation alone, it, it, we need to be made into yes. fishers and men, like you were saying. Yes. And somewhere along the line, sometimes we can get a little bit uppity and start thinking, I got this, Jesus. Mm. I, mm. I, you know, uh, I was watching a video the other day where this guy, uh, puts chalk on his hand and he acts like he's stopping the subway. Mm. And then he re-chalks his hands and acts like he's pushing the subway. Yeah. And really, he's not mm. doing anything but making a funny YouTube video. But I thought about that. I, I thought, if we lose sight of the fact that Jesus is doing this through us, we begin to think we're pushing the train or yes. this up. Yeah. And uh, really what he wants is for us to be on the train, mm. doing what he's doing mm. at the time that he's doing it. So, yes. Yeah. And that this last book really brings that out and also uh, gives a, a view of where that's happening and the people mm. that are doing that around the world today. So, mm. well, thanks for that that uh, that feedback, and it's it's been an amazing experience for me because there have been times in the journey, and I think this happens to most of us at some point where you just feel like, Lord, I've been on this journey for years, and it's where are the breakthroughs? You know. Um, and to come back to that experience of Jesus and his baptism wilderness, and this is true north, 
You know, it's not just Jesus, the closet, you know, he's, he's going to sit in his land room and just love, love his father, which he does. But, you know, in those two stories, he's determined to fulfill his mission. Um, it's, that's his identity. It's not something outside of him. You know, I love God and then, you know, this other thing I do. No, it's because I love God that I want to draw, um, you know, the whole world into this. And so I'm on mission. And, but to realize in those times where you're discouraged or you feel weak, Jesus has been there. This is the model we see in Paul and the apostles. And somehow in the midst of all this, God works out his purposes and brings glory to his name. Um, then that's going to help you get away, away from the idea, well, if it doesn't work, I'm not going to do it. You mean the gospel doesn't work. You know, helping people read the living word of God doesn't work. You know, building healthy churches and loving and obedient desire, that doesn't work. Okay, people's hearts might be hard or maybe you're going through a lean time. But if your identity is based on just whether or not you're getting results, which mine was and maybe still is, um, you're not going to see the distance. It's got to be about him. Um, not just I'll shut the world out and I'll just do 24-7 worship and prayer and, and just wait for Jesus to come back. No, we, he, he, he breaks into the prayer meeting, Pentecost, says, guys, this has been wonderful, okay, now get out, get out of the room, <laughs> take this to the streets, you know, take the worship to the street, take the gospel to the streets, start making disciples, go to the ends of the earth. And I, I think it's only if you're driven by that identity and discovered it and are freed by it, and then God can trust you uh, with results and fruitfulness, not always in the way that you expect it. No one may know the impact you had on that local leader who's seeing multiplication. You know, no one will know the impact you had on those people you trained and released. And so sometimes it's directly related to us personally, you know, but a lot of times it's not. Um, and we're only going to know when, when, when the story's over and we're with him in glory. Well, that's all we've got time for. If you've enjoyed reading The Rise and Fall of Movements, A Roadmap for Leaders, why not leave a review on Amazon? It really helps. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.